Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. What's up, everybody? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening. We appreciate you being here and joining us for another fine episode of Knife Talk Podcast. I am Marco Malmasi of Malmasi Fire Arts. I'm here with Jeff Fader of Fader Knives and Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. We're here to answer questions, tell stories, give each other a hard time. Um, and so, yeah, we'll just get into it. We're, we're going to start with our week. So who wants to start off? Jeff, Craig? Um, I'll start off if you like. Yeah. Um, it's been a good week, really good week. Um Positive, just work you know, that usual thing, just working through orders. Um, nothing new there, really. Um, I, but we talked about that special knife that I did last week. Um, that oh, yeah. sold um, quite quickly, which I was pleased with. Um, I made this little sort of funky video to go with it and so on. And really, really enjoyed that process. So I think every few weeks now I'll be doing one of these one-off knives um, that has maybe a story to it or some sort of background to it. Um, but yeah, just something I can be quite creative with and really, really enjoyed that process. So, so that was cool. Um, you look like you really enjoyed making that video. Yeah. I, I like that video. That was cool. I did. I watched you, it probably five times. You know, it took me probably about four or five hours and I had in my mind, I had this much bigger sort of present. It was going to be like a 40, 50 second video. I had all these shots planned and everything. And I went out and I especially bought the fish tank and I had the backdrop. It was all blacked out and, and all the rest of it. But it turns out that um, photographing knives um, in water behind glass is a nightmare because everything is just so reflective. 
and trying to get focus. Everything was just really hard. Mm. So in the end, I ended up with just like 15 seconds, which I slowed down. And uh, for those who haven't seen it, basically it's it's the knife sort of plunging into, you don't think it's water, but then the knife plunges in. You see these bubbles in slow motion come from the knife. And the idea is that the whale that's on the blade is, is you know, it's, it's all this sort of nautical theme. Um, but if you just plunge a knife into water, you don't get any, it doesn't look like it's in water. You don't get any bubbles. You don't get anything at all. Because obviously the knife is streamlined for that, that not for that purpose, but, you know, the shape it is so for little resistance. So then realized I had to sort of slap the knife, the sort of the cheek of the blade, slap that into the water, then turn it very, very quickly so you'd get the effect of the, so you would get the bubbles. It was, yeah, it was a proper learning process, but I love doing it. And um, yeah, I, I've already started work on the next sort of special knife. Um, which will probably be sort of two weeks. It's one of those things where I'm doing sort of on this, I'm getting my orders done and, you know, in what I'd call sort of downtime while I wait for ovens to warm up and that you know, things to cure, I can work on these on these fun knives. So, yeah, really, really enjoying it. Um, some people do. <laughs> it was quite funny. So I put up a post on Instagram um, saying, um, this knife is finished, will be available on Friday. And I had a few people sort of contacting me saying, you know, asking me questions about the knife, that kind of thing. Um, and I had somebody who was actually a listener to the show then said, oh, I'd, I'd love the knife. Can I purchase the knife? I'm like, well, why wait? You know, I, my goal uh -oh. is to sell the knife. You know, uh -oh. uh, yeah, yeah. So I, so I said, yeah, of course, of course, you, you can buy the knife. And I was quite pleased because I know this guy cooks a lot and I know it would be used. And he's a you know, listener to the show as well. I thought, yes, it, it, it works well. Um but then, then I sort of marked the knife as sold. Then I'm getting all the questions then from people. Well, you said it wouldn't be available till Friday. I was going to wait till Friday and I was going to buy it. And they were like, that's that's not very professional of you. And I'm just like, oh, man, I just want to make a knife and sell a knife. I'm not, I'm not making some big corporate statement that, you know, 9 a.m. on Friday, this knife will be available. It's just, you know, I want to sell the knife. I've sold the knife. Let's move on. Yeah. Oh, man, people. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just crazy. Look at but, you. Um, yeah, it, it's been a fun week. It's been a fun week. In making, making big demand. Look at you creating big demand. Yeah. Well, it, it's one of those things where I enjoy that process of you know, you know, being created. You know, I made, I made that little film, and you know, the sound effects, and you know, any music, and I, I love making all that kind of stuff. Um, and and my my thought originally was let's put a few hours into basically what'll be a marketing exercise for this for this one special knife, um, but yeah I just enjoyed it so much so going forward I'm going to be doing that a lot more um, enjoy that more than making the knife I'll be honest with you, <laughs> but um, no it is it, it is a it is a special knife and um, the next one will be too and yeah, um, yeah the next video is going to be. Um, more of a production as well it's, it's quite cool <laughs> yeah that's a that's a tricky those are tricky waters to tread trying to figure out i don't know like when you have it's an individual thing like that available uh, mm. i know a lot of makers just drop like a newsletter or something or just drop something on their website and then post it on the on wherever um i always struggle with the idea of things being fair though <laughs> you yeah. know like wherever like if you do it at noon in france like you know that's the middle of the night somewhere else in the world um and so how do you make it fair and the the thing i've come up with that i like the most that seems the most fair is to just um have people send emails uh fill out like a, either a form or something i mean this is what i did with my smith and bard knives a little while ago and mm. and so I I got to capture that information, which was great to like remarket to people later. 
um, when other things came available. Um, but also then I took all, all those people who were really interested. They understood the price and everything that went into everything. They're, they're ready to buy. Then I just did a drawing and that's about as fair as I feel like that's about as fair as you can be. Um, that way it gives people a window and I wouldn't make the window very big. I actually got a, some good advice from uh, the boys over at Bloodroot Blades um, who are always in demand and everything they put up sells in 24 hours. Um, yeah. But they do that kind of drawing system, and I think they they do like an eighteen hour window or something like that, um, so that people will get a chance to get in there wherever they are in the world to enter and say, "Yeah, I'm interested in this thing." Um, so yeah, I mean, I my original plan was going to be um, I have like a bunch of mailing lists, you know, from previous customers or restaurants mm -hmm. that I worked with. I got it, you know, obviously their email addresses. So the original plan was going to be on Friday morning, send out an email to all of them, offering them the knife first. Um, sure. But, you know, when somebody just reaches out and said, you know, I want to buy the knife, it's like, well, job done then. That, 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 that's my sole purpose is, is selling that knife. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't necessarily feel, you know, bad that I didn't wait until Friday to give other people a chance. He says, well, somebody reached out. I know they'd be, you know, I know they'd appreciate the knife. I know they'd use the knife. Mm. What, what what more could I ask for? You know, they, it was simple as that, really. Were you a little worried it that is. it wouldn't sell? And what was so that? You, sorry. Were you a little worried that it wouldn't sell? And, and oh, of course, that's, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why you always took the first first guy. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, too. yeah. And you know, yeah. I, I gave him a price, and he was happy with the price, and you know, done deal. You know, yeah. that's yeah. So I mean, going forward with any other sort of one-off special knives, maybe I'll need to you know think of a, a smarter way to do it. You know, I know. You know, people do auctions and things like that, but I mean, an auction is—it just it's gets nerve-wracking. It's well, it's nerve-wracking, but you you see people then, you know, sort of tagging everybody, you know, and and it it all gets it gets a little bit much, and I just just you know, I had a price, somebody was happy yeah. to pay that price. Uh, I know that, yeah, it, it you know that worked out well. So I'll have to think about in the future how how best to do these things, but um, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy. The customer's happy. Well, you know, what more could we ask for? Fair. Fair. It's a big deal. It is what it is. I mean, yeah. what kind of mental patient sends you a message complaining that you weren't being fair? Make another one. It's a Spider-Man number one for Christ's sakes. Uh, yeah. You know, you uh, knock out another couple whale knives. Make some noises. <laughs> I, big deal? I think that's the point. I won't. I won't. It is. It will just be one. So it gives me the chance to be creative again with another knife and another sort of theme to mm. it. So I take yeah. it back. Because I won't make more Cuban knives, so I exactly. I do have a line. But, but, but originally, it was just like, who gives a shit. People, I can't believe people bitch to me all the time, and and I I now am changing my mind midstream. I completely agree with you. Hmm. You got to do whatever it takes, but you know, some people are just gonna get disappointed, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's not the yeah. same. It's not the one that slapped the water and. Craig's, Craig made whale noises. That's the one I want. Where'd you get those whale noises? Well, um, wait, wait, I heard the whale. Are you there, whale? Yeah, that was me. He just um, me it was actually way to go with the bit. All right. Shock horror! It was dolphin noises, oh, not great. whale noises. Oh my god! Um, oh, that's false advertising. Yeah, it is that's false what advertising. I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'd say. 
<laughs> refund. Give me a fucking refund yeah, right now. Yeah, exactly. discount. Discount. <laughs> fair. Fair is out the window. That was a fucking dolphin noise. Yeah, there is there is a whale noise there, but it's just like a low rumbling. It's that you know that that, t- that clicking is 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 a dolphin, unfortunately. But uh, did you have to get like royalty free dolphin music? I did. I, did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be sued by a dolphin. Come on. <laughs> Oh I know what God. you Americans are like. There'll be some American dolphin out there going, right, there's money Dude, in this. There's money in this. The internet is the worst. The internet has ruined everything. Let's just face it. <laughs> or humans have used inter- the internet as a terrible tool that has ruined everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Royalty-free <laughs> dolphin music. God, that, that's an outrage. <laughs> what about you, Jeff? Your week. What's been going on? Well, we, uh, I, I dodged a giant bullet by getting oil an oil delivery on wednesday because i just i've been we have my shop is heated by oil and i am notoriously cheap i stretched out a tank of oil for like almost two winters which has been great and it works great i just when i'm not here i keep the temperature at the lowest it'll go without allowing the sprinklers to freeze which i have accidentally done the first year i was here um so we just i was on fumes (laughs) i was like getting the old micrometer out on the meter to see how much longer I had on that fumy tank. And then we just, I just made the, I looked at the forecast and I just made the call to get some oil and the oil delivery came on Wednesday and it dropped to like 12 degrees on uh, Thursday. So it was like, it was great having some heat in the shop. I tell you what, I'm never going to do, I'm never going to be do that again I, at one point i was just sitting on i had an electric radiator that i was sitting on for a while it was I mean, it was oh not God. i mean like it was bernie sanders sitting there with your gloves on <laughs> <laughs> but it was great i tell you what the only thing that was annoying was the oil delivery guy i the oil delivery guy wouldn't wear a mask when he came into my shop and it annoyed me and and this is the reason why it annoyed me well so he can't i opened the gate doors he didn't put a mask on i was wearing an m95 mask i decided i'm not going to say anything because i'm not look i'm COVID orthodox but i'm not i'm a lapsed COVID. COVID i should have thrown him out but i was like i need this fucking oil i need mm. something but i was he was talking to me and i was wearing the mask and i was just like and i wasn't saying anything and i was staying away from him and all I could think of is, like, I know that this guy's a teamster. I know these guys are union guys, and I appreciate the union. I love the unions. I'm a, I'm a fan of unions. But if he gets sick, he gets he gets uh, two weeks off. Or he gets benefits. He gets paid regardless. If I get sick and I'm out of the shop for two weeks, that's bad. Mm. You know, and I yeah, just, yeah. like, the the thought of people not being understanding of that i mean he was in my shop he saw my shop this is not a corporate office (laughs) this is a workshop so it's just like i stayed away from him i just like in my mind i was cursing and you know and then i got the oil and then i shut the doors down and he didn't you know i I had you know it was annoyed that annoyed me and and it was like one of those things you know my wife just kind of got had the second dose of vaccine for the coronavirus and she's you know getting back to it and you know, she still wears the mask, you know, and she says, because it's not, it's not the, a complete safeguard, you know, vaccines, for some reason, people seem to think that vaccines are like, you know, you, this is Legends of Zelda, and you got some sort of like, you know, some sort of electric <laughs> shield that it prevents you from, yeah, whatever, it's just to prime your immune system against the antigens in the virus, so like, you can get the flu virus, uh, you can get the flu vaccine, and you'll still get the flu, and people be like, well, what the fuck did I get the vaccine for? Well, you're just not going to end up in the hospital, so... 
it was it's one of those things where you know it dominates our my our thoughts and my mom thank god thank god the place that my mom is at have started to give the you know the people the residents their a vaccine so she got her first dose and you know we're, we're waiting to see if i want to i'm gonna wait in line like everybody else but you know it was a thing. So, but yeah. I got a lot of work done and then my kid got some really good news, which was like the highlight of the week. She got asked to be in the superintendent's advisory council. So superintendent runs the school system uh, in the, in the, in the town that I'm in. So hmm. like all the schools in this area and they have this, we didn't know it was like a secret advisory committee and my kid got nominated to be on it. So she's going to be like, you know, it's a big deal. So it was a really kind of a nice it was exciting because she had no idea it even existed, and all of her teachers had kind of nominated oh, wow. her to be in it. And so That's she got really a message cool. from the the superintendent of schools, which is not it's not like the principal; it's like it's the guy who runs all the principals. So it was a big deal. So that was a kind of a real nice, really really nice thing that happened this week. So we were pumped. Nice, nice. Yeah. Morocco, your week. Uh, been a pretty standard knife making work week and that in those regards uh yesterday my son was in the shop again we made a helicopter and i i actually got the video put together uh and posted up yesterday too uh yesterday afternoon that was pretty fun which is um, super super cute yeah it was super fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> he loved it yeah i actually have one from uh last week um but i was having a like I, I had some stuff was out of date on my phone, so I had to update. And anyways, I, I didn't get it put together. So I'm, I'm probably going to get that put together sometime later this week. So I'm not bombarding my Instagram with my kid <laughs> doing stuff instead of me doing knife work or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I got a really positive feedback and a lot of people liked it. Um, but he's otherwise quite a, he's quite a director. He's, he's telling you what to do. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a goal. Part of me was like, Oh, I should get him. Um, making some funny comments about Jimmy DeResta or something and being a maker kid and all that stuff. But I totally, it slipped my mind. So maybe next video. Um, but otherwise, uh, what else did I see? I saw, I, I made some notes of some interesting things I saw this week. I saw Fingal Ferguson's reverse video. Did you guys see that on his Instagram? With the chopping vegetables and things. Yeah, it's like the whole chopping that. video. Yes. Yeah, chopping vegetables and the whole kind of like knife making process, but it's in reverse. It's kind of interesting to see. Like sparks flying back up towards the grinder and stuff like that. Oh yeah, he did that. A, he did that a few months ago. He did it like a month ago. I yeah, know. I think it's like the, the header image on his website. I think too. Yeah, I, I did see it. He's he's good dude. Yeah. Gotta love Fingal Ferguson. Uh oh, I got a note about a beef that we can talk about later if we like. Um, and then oh, I want to give a, a shout out to Cian Healy, better known as Proper Church. Also better known as the giant fucking Hulk of a uh, rugby player that was ready to kick Craig's ass because Craig was talking some mad shit to him a few, what was that, a year ago, two years ago? I think it was last year's season, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. now you but, have uh, six nations, back, yeah. you have to back the story up. You can't. You, you got to tell our new listeners what I happened. can't remember what the story, I think it was just, they were competing again. Uh, who was it, Wales and Ireland were competing? Wales and Ireland, so, so yeah, so Kean is a professional rugby player who plays internationally for his country. And um, the Six Nations is a, a yearly, yearly thing where uh, the Six Nations of the UK and, and Italy, strangely, um, compete against each other. And we, we were just shit talking, basically. We were just shit talking. <laughs> He's a big dude. He's a very yeah. big dude. I don't think he <laughs> great knowledge, uh, too. I don't think he yeah, listens. Yeah, he does. And he's a great cook, too. I don't think he listens anymore. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he I, listens. Ha he hasn't sent any questions in a while. Um, I'm with you, though. I, 
proper church. I I just wanted to give him a uh, shout out. Him and his wife, uh, they just had their first kid, I think, on the 15th. Um, so congratulations to them. Uh, also, Bill Grulick has a birthday coming up on the February 6th, which uh, will be uh, before our next episode drops. So I just want to give him a shout out. I know he listens to the show uh, and give him some love. He's a great guy. Uh, Jeff, you know him. You've met him. He's just great a dude. phenomenal human human being. I really great uh, respect and look up to him on a big way. He's just a solid father, a solid businessman. Um, he's just a good friend. So big props to him. Uh, and oh, <laughs> I uh, I don't know if any have you guys ever burped in your respirator? <laughs> I, no, I, no, I had like eaten. I just gotten back to the shop after like picking my kid up, taking him home, eating lunch with him and my wife. And I made this burrito with leftover with leftovers, <laughs> and I wasn't oh, even thinking oh, about it. Oh, I was doing God, some grinding no. work. It was the <laughs> it was the nastiest smell. Uh, <laughs> It was rough. There's a tip. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No leftover burritos in dear in dear respirator. Yeah. Don't burp or vomit in your respirator. <laughs> there you go. Knife Talk is sponsored <laughs> by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. Do the chopper. Go get yourself an Even Heat, and actually, we can get you a discount. Um, on an even heat so we can get you $75 off and free shipping in the US um, if you head on over to Soul Ceramics so we've we've got a very special link you need to use this special link which is down in the description or if you use whatever podcast app you've got it'll be down in the show description click that and when you when you go to your checkout you'll get $75 off and free shipping and you can do it all that they've, they've got the full range you know from the I think it's the KH, which is the 120, right up to the KOs and all the, the newer ones. You can specify the the uh, solid state relays so they're nice and quiet and, the, you know, the tap smart with the Wi-Fi. You can specify all that um, at Soul Ceramics. So get your even heat from Soul Ceramics. Make sure you use that discount by using the link in the description. I'll tell you, that tap controller is pretty sweet. The I best. have. My my original even heat is the most basic, like the controller is the most basic, simple, like touch or not even touch screen, but it's just like controller and yeah. s- resetting all like setting up new programs and stuff in that thing. It it it's just a pain in the ass versus the touch screen. You can li- literally just like tap to add a new segment and just put it punch in that number. <laughs> it's so much nicer. It's great. It's mm. a, yeah, I really love it. Tap yeah. control is the move. I don't have, and I'm wondering whether I could upgrade mine to have the tap, because mine is, you sort of store, you know, number one to nine, you store in your different programs, and I almost forget in which one, so each time I'm having to reprogram it for every, every because I, you know, make sure I don't press the wrong one, so I know in the tap, you can name them, can't you, say, like, this one's, you know, for 5200, this is the routine you'll use for that, and this is for 01, and all yeah. the rest of it, so I wonder if I could upgrade, I'll, I'll have to speak to even heat about that, yeah. yeah. Spence, yes. Spence yeah. get a hold of Craig, see what he says. Yeah, find out if I can do that. That'd be cool. That'd be when cool. I worked at Dragon's Breath, uh, you know, we got four guys in that shop using the same heat treating kilns, and <laughs> nobody kept track of what the programs were, and so everybody kept reprogramming every the time. Oh, yeah, geez. every time. And so finally, it was so fucking stupid. And we're like, "All right, let's just get a piece of paper and write down the number <laughs> and figure out what the fucking program is, so that we're not reprogramming the same damn thing." On we had like the same program on five different setting on five different things 
It's like, oh my god, so dumb. So May I just mention just what's more about. obnoxious? Than, what's more obnoxious is the fact that you guys all, everybody at Dragon's Breath Forge, one forge in fire, and when I got to visit, you had four kilns, the, the congratulatory championship kilns, stacked on top of each other. <laughs> there are more kilns than people in that shop, for Christ's sakes. And you're all fighting over that even heat. Tells you something, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Tells they didn't you have something. to worry about oil to heat the shop. They just turn yeah. on I mean, their... on top of each <laughs> other. There were, it was a fucking... St it was obnoxious. Pyramid. Championship pyramid. It was like a... I mean, telling you, it was four. It was annoying. But then they're all fighting over that even heat, so that tells you something. Uh -huh. yeah. Okay, okay, Big Tuna, calm down. Let's do some user questions. <laughs> hey, man. Can I ask you a question? Before we get in, I want to just, if we're getting doing shout-outs, I want to shout-out to my Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are going into the Super Bowl. I've been a fan of the Tampa Your Bay Buccaneers Tampa Bay. for a month and a half. They're my team. Oh my I had one of the linemen bought some knives from me, so I got a piece of that. I got a taste of that. I got a taste of that oh, yeah. Tampa Bay Buccaneer money. I'm in the tank for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> Congratulations, Tom Brady, and my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Thank you. You're both you so easy. I got a t I got a taste, and I'm hoping they win because if I if that's the case, there're gonna be some more knives in my future from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> so go Tampa Bay, go to, right. go Tom Brady. There I will say when there I used go. to play NFL Blitz on N I think it was N64, I used to love being uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know why they always seem to dominate. Your team too. So we're all. In, <laughs> so this is now we're officially as a podcast. We're in the tank. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, give them hell, yeah. Tom. I just need to find out the rules to this this weird game. That Don't you worry play about it. We're, just we're you're, on, you're in the tank for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, just like we're in the tank for proper church and whatever team he's on. <laughs> okay, questions from our listeners. Uh, I'll take the first one from CG Knife and Forge. AQDs. Hey, I recently made a batch of parin knives with stabilized and dyed curly maple handle scales. And after using it for about three weeks in the kitchen, the handle scales were almost furry. Has this ever happened to your wooden handles? And what was the best way to seal the handle scales? Mm. Hmm, not sure what he means there by furry. Um, if you guys come across that at all? I think the uh, handles are picking up moisture and it's making the grain expand. Hmm. And create a so texture. Possibly a bad stabilization. Yeah. Maybe. It's also yeah. the wood too, isn't it? Like some woods yeah. do that more than others. Yeah, especially more porous or softer woods, especially. Um, they will do that. Yeah. So what do you get? Do you guys got any tips? That's what I was gonna say. I mean I mean, I've I've had this I actually made some I made a knife with some pecan scales for a customer of mine who is like a wood guy and he needed me to use the pecan scales and he said he said it's that's what's happening. I mean it was a very I stabilized it, but it was a very, you know, it seemed on the porous side. I mean, it's fine. I'm taking care of it. But, you know, I, I don't, you don't get that with like burls. You don't get, you don't get those kinds of like fuzzy grain. I know what he's talking about. Yeah. Mm. I mean, the only thing I could think of doing, so if you're using like a, like a tongue oil or something like that is to just kind of, because it's, um, because it is wet, you know, it will do something like that, like raise the grain and you can just, and honestly, this would be a better question for like, either of the Keiths and their woodworking skills and knowledge, but, um, but wet Which it. Keith, so you're talking about? Key, ship, shipwright skills. And Our listeners don't know who, you, who don't know who you're talking about. 
well, they're your friends. I was just making a quick reference to woodworkers who we referenced in the past, actually. Okay. KJ Sawdust. There you go. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> you uh, you wanted me to throw the handles out there. I get you. Okay. Sorry. I'm a little still waking up. Okay. Um, but by wetting it with the oil, it'll it'll possibly help raise that grain a little bit. And then you can kind of gently sand it back. I wouldn't use anything coarse. I would do like 2,500 or 1,000 grit maybe at the lowest. Um, but that will just knock down those high areas um, and do go through that a couple times um, just to help raise that grain and kind of reduce its the, the material's willingness to react to moisture in that way, basically. Mm. Or maybe, um, I mean, after it's been stabilized, if you're still finding you're, you're having this, this almost furriness, and maybe some sort of wax and sort of harden that mm. wax on top. Um, that would help. And I know a guy who could get you a discount. If you listen to another show, you can get a discount on some really good wax. Maybe. I agree with Mareko. I think it's the, the moisture that I completely agree with Mareko. I like that. So with the tongue oil, do you think it would kind of polymerize and that would prevent it from from raising the grain? Yeah, absolutely. So tongue oil will harden. Um, and so, yeah, not only are you raising that grain, but or you know, if it's going to do that, but you're also kind of filling in, um, the surface, even if a, a block has been stabilized, there are still some pores. And so a, an, a hardening oil like tongue oil or something along those lines will get into those pores and harden up and, and seal off those pores and help reduce, um, any of that kind of grain, raising, grain raising, uh, that will occur from exposure to moisture. You got me on that tongue oil train, and I appreciate it. Now okay. I do a coat of tongue oil before I do new wax. Yeah. It's a good move. We ready yeah, for no, another thank one? Thank you. you. You got me on that train. Yeah, bud. We ready for another one? All the time. All right. This, this one is from Austin Ban. He says, um, I'm always debating how much I should make my hand make by hand, <laughs> make my hand, make by hand as opposed by, uh, Opposed to buy already made. Uh, examples would be stabilized blanks versus stabilizing my own or making my own micarta, mosaic pins, etc. As a knife maker, I'm trying to figure out the balance between my time and my material costs. You guys yeah. would have more experience with the stabilizing, making your own materials. I think it, it's one of those, I think nobody's going to... Um you know look down on you for not doing it um but i do it because it's quite a fun process and i i enjoy doing it but um we we always talk about this you know what's handmade and what's not how far can you go back we're all using electricity for our grinders and you know and you know most of us aren't growing our own trees for our for for our wood and so on so you know how far do you go and it i suppose it's got to fit with your business model um how much you're charging how much time you're putting into them and some things are just far more cost effective to you know to outsource um and one of them could be could be stabilizing if you're doing you know big runs or, or that kind of thing so i you know it's it's, it's your own internal struggle unfortunately it, it, there's no right or wrong answer um you know the three of us do things our processes are very different between the three of us uh yeah <laughs> you know a good example is this week on twitter so that this knife we talked about at the beginning of the show i put up some pictures on twitter and um 
like, I haven't got like a, a big following at all on Twitter, but you know, some of the followers I have are from my sort of previous life of sort of web development, and they're, they're web developers. And um, somebody replied to me saying, "Did you forge that, or you know, or do you just cut it out from steel?" So I replied saying, "Well, <laughs> I didn't forge it. it. It's it's actually stainless, and there's a lot more to it than just cutting it out from steel." And he's like, "Okay, so you didn't forge it, so you did just cut it out. That's all you did." And I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, that's all you did." <laughs> that's all I did. It was that easy, you know. And I think we maybe we worry too much about what other people think when we, you know, we're, we're hand making these things. Um, it just needs to work for you as a business and for it to be enjoyable for you. That's that's the way I look at it. I couldn't agree with you more. It, it's 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 what you. I mean, for me, for I mean, in general, stabilizing for me is because I like to be able to get you know, local stuff that I can get from people. I like doing that myself. I enjoy it. I do enjoy it. And it's great. And you love that Instagram content when you're stabilizing. Come on. <laughs> it's not, it's fine. It's, 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 I could get better lighting, but you know, it isn't, I'm not, you know, I'm not getting tanks of water and getting, you know, <laughs> I'm not getting blowhole noises, you know, so. <laughs> but, but I, you know, I, it's, it's exactly what you want to do. You know, when I first started doing knives, the first like 15 knives I made were all forged. And it got to the point where it was like, I can get more of what my customers want by doing stock removal. So that's just the way it is. It was just a question of what I wanted to do. And I, you know, I think that we get too worried about what our, number one, we get too worried about what our peers say. And then number two, we get, we get too worried about what uh, uninformed human beings have to say you know hmm. it's like you know exactly what you're saying in regards to your friends on twitter people see one thing and all of a sudden they think that they're you know they think that they're you know neil camamora you know it's like they're they're all you know everybody knows everything you watch one video and all of a sudden you know everything i mean just look at every single thing that's happened in the world you know these like this whole GameStop thing is so fascinating you know <laughs> basically this is the news of the news of the year or the or the month or the at least at the week is those you know these redditors are all of a sudden they think that they're you know all wall street guys you know they, they <laughs> did this one you know i i i feel like I don't know why I went down that road, but it's fine. I, I think that we you need to not to worry too much about what other people think and just do whatever the hell you want. Sure. Yeah, that's interesting what you said about worrying what our peers think, like other knife makers. Um, and I used to be so, so concerned about, you know, making sure that I wasn't embarrassing myself and that kind of thing. But I think... If you're going to be creative, you're going to put yourself out there. You are going to embarrass yourself. You're going to do some things that certain people think, oh, my God, I can't believe they're doing it that way. But if you're not doing it, you're not doing it. So as long as you're doing it, that's the main thing. Yeah. We've Cannot also use everybody. And we've also accustomed ourselves to, as a, you know, as a, commu a knife-making community, we, we, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at each other as a community. And for some reason, that community, you know, people have this idea that we build things as a community and it's not really not the case hmm. you know so we're almost as if we're setting our own standards um but like we've said a million times it's like ni other knife makers aren't really buying your knives you know it's yeah yeah so i don't know um, it's annoying only... it's an annoying question we get all the time not not sure. the not it's not annoying from austin ban but it's something that we're just gonna you're just gonna have to deal with it for the rest of our lives period yeah well, and I, I kind of was taking it from the angle of, you know, like the value of your time. 
kind of perspective and yes, honestly right. like it is not standard procedure for people to stabilize their own woods it, it is more stand or make their own micartas you know if you want that like craig was saying to be part of the story of making that thing then that's great um i would look at it like if i was going to do it myself i would look at how much time is going to go into sourcing that wood driving like for jeff driving out to fucking long island to pick up a bunch of wood bring it back let it sit then breaking it down then putting it through the stabilizing process then you know as well as the curing all that stuff cleaning all those blocks up by the time you're done with it how much time do you have in one block that mm -hmm. and for like for jeff's case like he said he likes using the wood that is local it ha again it builds on the story of that thing but if it's something that you could just sort if it's just like curly maple and you're putting all that time into it when you can buy a block of curly maple for $25. And if you're trying to value your time, at least at a very minimum of at 20 to $50 an hour, you know, and you maybe have two, even just two or three hours into that thing, that's an expensive block of wood. And yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe you say, hmm, I think I'm actually just going to buy that block of wood instead of making it. But again, like Craig was saying, if you love that process and you're really into that and you want it to be part of the story and all that then go for it who and like jeff was saying like who cares what anybody thinks it's just you got to do what makes you happy as long as you're feeling good about the things at the end of the day then go with it you're yeah. absolutely right and this is an excellent point that goes back to what we started with with craig and his whale knife i was saying to him off the air i feel like Oh, <laughs> That's what I said. It, it, it did not come out of no, my get mouth. Get the lawyers on to you. Don't, don't. It's yeah. not an approved was, sound effect. I had my butt against the mic and I was <laughs> trying to talk to Norwals. Oh. But, <laughs> but, uh, but it's. I said to him, I, mean, I was very clear that you would actually enjoy doing those videos. And he says, yeah, I, I love doing those videos. I think mm. it's it's a question of like, now now do you have to budget in the time you spent doing the, the video into the into the on top of the knife? I, I think you, get, you do get to the point where you have to like decide if am I doing this for just money or for because I like it like yeah, and, yeah, and back to what you know Mareka was saying about the when I did those uh, when I got the cherry burl from Long Island it took me a long time to get the, each one I thought about it at the end because I had the knives water jet cut and then um, it, it wasn't a lot of grinding and then it wasn't a lot of hand sanding so the amount of time it took me to build that knife, half of it was the handle. You know, like I had to start the handle in the summertime because it took so long to dry that wood out. And a lot of it had to get thrown away because it was just too, it just, you know, it didn't work. And it mm -hmm. was, there was a lot of work and it, you're absolutely right. I wanted, I wanted to tell a story and I wanted it to be, you know, but it was, you're hundred percent right. I could have easily had, I could have easily bought all those, all that wood. It wouldn't have been the same. No. But it was it was a decision we made to tell a story. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's different. I think that's the main thing is everyone's different. And, you know, nobody People. is going onto Morocco or Neil Kamamura and saying, "I can't believe they didn't stabilize their own wood." You know, that's not happening. <laughs> it's people do. You know. Yeah. Yeah, people do what you need to do, and everybody's sure. got a different sort of business model, and they enjoy doing different things, and we all offer something different. That's that's the beauty of it. And yeah. even if you did stabilize your own wood, you're still going to get a comment like, that's not my cup of tea, but great job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that um, One more note on, my, like, my, my, la, 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 Micarta. Um, 
I will say that the ver a very big difference between what is happening at an industrial level um, versus what people are doing at home is that while the micarta is being made, it's under extreme pressure, and then they're they're doing they're, they're pressing the material together in the resin and everything within heating plates. So then, once it's under the pressure, they're also heat curing the the resin, whatever resin they're using, and that is not something that many people are capable of doing at home um, mm. in their own setup. And so that is something also to take into consideration because that that really really sets that material doing that heat curing under that extreme pressure um so that it's just that much more dense and, and durable over time and i would be concerned if i were to make my own micarta that i wasn't getting that kind of result and what's going to happen to that product down the road now what's going to happen to those handle scales down the road when somebody's using that knife um i don't really know maybe nothing but again micarta is an, another material that is not super expensive to source. But again, if you are trying to make your own micarta uh, from, you know, it, a bib from you, when you're a little kid or somebody was a little kid or something like that, then then go for it. Um, but that is something to also keep in mind when making your own micarta. There you go. There we go. Next one comes from Loaded Labs. Hey guys, love the show. And keep up the great work, please. I have a question for the show. Have you heard of people reusing their own tool steel more than once for heat treatment? I've seen people do it, and I'm curious if you good folks could drop some knowledge on us if this is a practice or not. Thank you. Loaded Labs. So I think, I think he's talking about um, if after you heat treat a knife, can you re-anneal it and reuse it? And I mean, I, in, the only thing I would know anything about is when I talked to Emiliano, a son, uh, son and C. What's his son? It's son, son and, and son and stars forge. I had him on the full blast podcast. He said when he does his melts, he does, uh, he melts. He, if he, he does take old, you know, broken heat treated blades that don't work and he, he melts them down again. But that's the only thing I know about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have definitely had to reheat treat a blade more than once. And if it's gone through the whole heat treating process uh, and I decide that it needs to be reheat treated, I can definitely do that as long as there is enough material left on the blade to do that. Um, I've, I've definitely gotten to, uh, to where the blade was way too thin and tried to reheat treat it, and it just turned into a ribbon, like this wobbly warped ass piece of crap basically um so as long as you still got enough meat on your material i would say at least um maybe one and a half millimeters for the millimeter users and uh about a sixteenth of an inch along the edge you can probably go back and reheat treat that blade and basically you you could use that previous heat treat and hardening as a thermal cycle um and you can think oh about so you don't have to normalize way. You, I mean, you would probably want to do like a, a temper anneal, as, as Laren Thomas refers to it, which is essentially like bringing it up to about 1250 for, uh, you know, maybe 15 minutes, a half an hour, and then let it cool back down and then go back through your heat treat process. Uh, but actually, at that point, you would only have to harden it once. 
uh, or you know after the, after the, you wouldn't have to do any thermal cycling or anything because all of that thermal cycling has been set up all you're doing is over essentially over tempering that martensite from the previous hardening process and then so you temper it uh, over temper it i mean at 1250 and then you go and you just go straight into a final harden and you bring it up to your hardening temperature and quench it again uh, this, as far as I know, the, I mean, this works for carbon steels. When it comes to stainless, that's a little outside of my ballpark. And that would be a better question for uh, Laren or somebody else with more experience uh, in stainless. But when, when it, in regards to carbon and Damascus, uh, high carbon steel Damascus, you can definitely do that. I've done it plenty of times with great success. Cool. Cool. I'm throwing it like I a lost you guys for a I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I need to fall for that bit in the tailpipe. Before we go on to the next question, I want to tell people about one of our sponsors, which is Texas Farrier Supply. Um, they've been good sponsors of ours for a long time, um, and providing really good discount to our users. So, Texas Farrier Supply, as the name suggests, they do stuff for farriers, but they also have a, a knife making section on their website where they've got everything you need for a knife maker. Go take a look, texasfarersupply.com, and if you use Knife Talk 10, you'll get 10% off. But in the knife mating section, they also have Rhino Wet, which is the sandpaper that the three of us use. Most people are using it. It's just the music, it's just the best stuff. I'm it saves be you time, saves you money, and all the rest of it. It's the best stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, they stock it there at Texas Fire Supply. So go ahead to texasfarersupply.com. Make sure you fill up your cart with lots of Rhino Wet, and make sure you use Knife Talk 10 to get your 10% off. Okay, back to questions. Um, Mike Nye, um, again on Instagram, says, what makes the ideal cutting board? This is a good one. Um, he said, I'll never use a glass one or even plastic as I don't want to ingest any plastic particles. However, he does have several wooden IKEA boards from both bamboo and arcasia wood. They are affordable and hold up well for my uses. He said, I've heard some people say bamboo is bad as it's technically a grass and harder than a maple cutting board. He says, also the Ikea Arcasia wood ones are long grain, not end grain, um, like the uh, the BOOS brand cutting boards, which are very, very expensive. And he says, what are your thoughts on material and or grain orientation on cutting boards? Any preferences? What do you guys use? Yeah. I don't like using wood cutting boards. Because really? I feel like no, I, I I honestly feel like it, it might be just me as I feel like they're they there's the potential for for more um, bacteria growth. There are two sort of opinions on that, like expert opinions on that. So one is yeah, there's grains, so any bacteria could get into the grain. Um, but some people say that the oil, the natural oils that are in wood, um, are enough to get rid of um, any any bad bacteria. Um, so I wouldn't I, personally. I wouldn't use like a wooden board for fish or something like that because you know, that smell is you never get. I'd always use plastic right. for that. Um, but, but a <laughs> <or> whale or <laughs> dolphin or whatever noise that was. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, I'd use plastic for um, for fish. Um, but for anything else, I've got a bunch of wooden ones here that I'll, I'll use, and they're not. You know, they're not expensive. I think I've got some IKEA ones here. They're not expensive. I just got a big, a big sort of stack of them. Um, yeah, I mean, I've seen, you know, some people spend hundreds and hundreds on, on cutting boards and, you know, all end grain and the rest of it. 
and I think the idea of end grain is um, maybe it's softer on your on your cutting edge. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I don't go crazy. I've just got a bunch of cheap cut wooden cutting boards, and you know, I don't really see a problem with that. I also what have you... no, I have no expert opinion. I have no like, I never did research on it. I, I just, mm. in my mind, when I see like a stained cutting board, it gets me kind of nauseous. You know, especially. Really? Well, I mean, it's just like <laughs> you know, when there's if you see like weird stains on it, I mean, that's not like <clears throat> you know, it's not fucking patina. That's <laughs> juice. That's old fucking juice. It's old shitty Meat juice. juice. <laughs> Whatever you shitty food. I don't want that on my fucking cutting board. I don't want to see some fucking shitty juice from a meal you made two years ago. You're not dry <laughs> aging your cutting board for Christ's sakes. Come on, man. It's seasoning. Seasoning. Oh, yeah, That's what that seasoning. Is. Yeah. <laughs> what are you using, Morocco? Have you got like specific boards for things? Or yeah, what, I mean, you... when it comes to like raw meats and fish or chicken or beef or whatever, uh, I use a plastic board just because, like you said, you know, some of those oils, some of those, uh, you know, the smells, they will not come out of a wooden board. Um, but otherwise, I'm not opposed to using wooding boards. Uh, there are oil treatments, like, like food-grade oil treatments and stuff that you can use um, that will help close up that grain or, or kind of fight off any bacterial growth or prevent act as a preventative against uh, bacterial growth because that is a major concern of using wood. And that's why, I mean, you don't see wooden um, cutting boards in professional kitchens for the at least as as far as i know um uh, when it comes to at least like the food prep what's that they get the health department's gonna throw the book at you if you maybe a wooden cutting board. oh yeah they'll throw the book at you they'll throw the cutting board at you too until you get the fuck out of here um (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i i i if i mean if i had my druthers i would i would love to have like an end grain butcher block, like some of these beautifully patterned and elaborately built blocks. I just, I think they're really cool. I appreciate the craftsmanship and skill that goes into creating them. Um, I like, I would ideally like an end grain versus a, like a side grain because, at least from what I understand, end grain will wear down slower than like a wooden mm. one. And the goal would be if I'm going to drop the money on something like that, you know, it lasts as long as possible. Um, but otherwise, you know, I've had plenty of cutting boards. You know, I honestly at the hardware store, you can get pine like glued to it itself on edge, and you know, you can get them in like whatever, like twelve by twenty-four inch blanks that people use for crafting and stuff. And I've thought about just getting them to use as cutting boards in the shop for either cutting demonstrations or whatever, because um, they're super cheap. They're cheaper than you can buy a cutting board, and you throw some of that, you know, like some sort of wood wax or wood treat uh, wood treatment over it to help prevent again to like close up the grain and and protect it from any kind of bacterial growth um that that'll do you pretty good for a while so but, mm. see no you, you no, taught me something because i yeah. thought that the end grain thing was it was it was softer when you hit the end grain with your knife it that's gave what i more. thought but hearing Morocco say that, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. It's, 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 it's structurally more sound, so it'll, it's probably harder. There you go. And it'll keep the board in, in pristine. Yeah, I, I, I was wrong there, too. Right. Yeah, right. No idea. I'm I don't still... Maybe I'm wrong. What the fuck do we know? This is not knife-cutting <laughs> board talk, you know. This is it's not cutting, cutting board, board talk. talk. Well, this is the perfect... This would be the perfect time to say, if you have unsolicited advice, we got something wrong. 
<laughs> if you think that you know better on cutting boards, we have a new segment uh, called uh, I Know You Didn't Ask, but, and this is where you give in your unsolicited advice, and we got a few of them. So I don't know if you want to do a read or if you want to yeah, get right into it or... Let, let's do one now, and we'll sort of pepper them throughout the show. All right. So we've had, we've had a few in this week, I think, haven't we? Well, we do, and this is actually, this is perfect. This one comes from uh, TMO Knives. I know you didn't ask, but Mr. Fader, and this is, this is, this is perfect. This is perfect timing. Uh, Mr. Fader, I'm sorry to be the one to tell you, but when it comes to pronouncing the company name IKEA, your sister is the one that is right. The proper pronunciation of ikea is actually ikea i can't tell you how many uh, the whole fucking country of sweden reached out to me to tell me <laughs> i need to apologize to my sister and to her i have not i have not told my sister that she is correct she don't listen <laughs> to this podcast and i'm not about to tell her but it's not pronounced ikea everybody ikea. ladies and gentlemen it is actually if you're in sweden they say ikea E-K. How obnoxious are you going to be talking to your friends, not in Sweden, <laughs> and saying, oh, yeah, I'm off to um, Ikea this weekend. We They're thought like, my sister was such a douchebag. I love my sister, yeah. <laughs> but she for years she would say, I'm going to Ikea. I'm like, what the fuck is Ikea? Is that next to Ikea? And she goes, no, it's Ikea. And we're like, my, we, we'd leave. My, I said, my mom, why, does, why does she call it Ikea? And we, we, for years we're making jokes, not to her extent. I mean, to you know, not, not to her face, but like, why do you keep calling it Ikea? She's right. I'm wrong. It's Ikea. Ikea. So there wow. you go. I in know you didn't defense. ask, but we're... F- <laughs> go ahead. I was going to say, in your defense, in all of the American advertising, they call it Ikea. So if they wanted us to say it right, they should have just called it Ikea. <laughs> I, once again, you've corrected me and I agree with you. So, uh, TMO Knives... Unsolicited advice. Your opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> Thanks, but we didn't ask. <laughs> Mareko is 100% right. I have not heard an uh, Ikea ad in a while. but yeah. And I, I don't think I, I ever will because they're going to say Ikea. Yeah. Potato, potato. Well, in this case, it's Ikea. That's <laughs> not <laughs> Ikea. But that's what unsolicited advice is. So I apologize <laughs> to Sweden. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Advice. There you go. So, how about it, the abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers available in any size and at unbelievable prices? Go take a look at combatabrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! 15% off. That's a hell of a bargain. Yeah. Head on over to combatabrasives.com for any, any of your abrasives, um, whether it's belts, sheets, whatever you need. They've got it all there. Um, lots of sort of what I'd call sort of exotics as well, stuff that you wouldn't normally think of. So make sure you put some some different stuff in your cart each time. And yeah, Knife Talk 15 to get 15% off at combatabrasives.com. Shall we do more questions? Anything you want. I still have some, I still have some good ones to pepper in, though. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll leave that. We'll do one more question, then we'll do one. Okay. And we'll, 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 we'll do back and forth. Whatever you want. This is from Watershed Metalworks. Hey, Mark, can I ask you a question? I have an even heat ordered to step up my heat treating game. Good call. I presumed I'd be using it to control hardening temperature and tempering, but I guess it may take too long to drop the temperature down 
far enough between the quench and temper. And he says, what do you guys do? <laughs> so, I mean, you two guys, I think you've got a couple of even heats on here. I do. <laughs> That's right. That's Wait, whale I noise. I just myself. <laughs> you, no, you, you just did whale noise. That's what it is now. <laughs> so there's a couple of things you can do. You can either um, go to Soul Ceramics and get yourself a discounted second one. Or uh, you can do what I do, um, because I actually have two, but only one is accessible at the moment in the, in the current shop that I'm in. Um, so I've got um, before. We, can of... you just explain to the listeners what's the problem? The problem is after heat yeah. treatment, you're super high temperatures and yeah. Well, I mean the, the oven. It'll... Shit. Oh, Are you okay? um, basically, the, the you oven is designed <laughs> is designed to keep heat in. Um, so you'll have you know thick side walls of you know the, this, this super um, insulative uh, material. Um, so once you, once you then stop bringing up the the temperature to heat, it's going to take a long time to cool back down. So when you quench your blade, you then want to temper it as soon as possible. But the your oven is going to still be too hot. So, you know, some people, you know, keep the door open or they'll put a fan in there and you can do all these things. Um, that We did have a question before about somebody saying about putting a fan next to it to blow cold air in. And we were thinking maybe there was a danger to the coils um, that they can they can damage the coils. Um, but I think that was disproved by somebody else. Spencer um, but anyway, said the way A-OK. Spencer said it's good. Well, yeah. Spencer's the man. He knows. Um, what I tend to do, I've got a bunch of fire bricks, which I keep. Um, so as soon as the door is open, I take the knife out, I'll quench the knife, I'll throw the fire bricks in, then close the door again. And what happens is those fire bricks will absorb all that energy, all that heat that's in the oven. Not all of it, but it, it'll, it'll sort of soak up a lot of the heat. Leave them in there for sort of 10, 15 minutes, take them out, and you'll find that they a lot of the heat would have been removed. So it just brings down that heat much, much quicker. Um, it's not the ideal way because ideally you want to be you want to be tempering as soon as you've quenched, really, um, particularly for sort of um, carbon steel knives. But um, yeah, that's what I do. I, I try to suck out as much heat as I can as quickly as possible, and I do find that fire bricks are a good way of doing that. They'll they'll sort of suck in all that heat. I tried that, and I was amazed at how well that worked. That's hmm. that is the biggest problem that is really hard for them to deal with, and they know all about it. I've actually because yeah. what happens is when you're doing the temper too, if there's that retained heat in the in the oven in the bricks, you you end up overshooting their temperature, your your temper temperature. Yeah. So what I used to do was I used to keep the door cracked during the temper, and that would that and then after about like 15, 20 minutes, it would like even out, and I'd slowly slowly close the door, and as long as it was like not jumping up it was fine but the 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 lockwood brick method is excellent excellent i love that thing and i to be honest i used them before i had an even heat so if i was tempering in just like a regular oven um not an even heat you know in a normal sort of domestic oven um i'd put loads of these bricks in anyway because the temperature you'd get in a regular oven isn't that stable certainly not as stable as like something like an even heat so having those um, extra fire bricks in there really helped keep that that stable temperature. But um, you've done the right thing. You you've upgraded your uneven heat. Um, yeah, that's 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 one trick. And maybe others have more. Maybe we'll get some more unsolicited advice next week. The to- the toaster oven move is tough, 
because I've actually used to use the toaster oven when I did the stabilizing and the mm. fluctuation. And I have uh, an oven tamer, which is like, I guess it's like, what is a PID or something like that? That yeah, like yeah. really, really kind of fine tunes. I still, the way those ovens work, it's just, it's just too aggressive. The, the, when they turn on and off, it's just touch too aggressive a, a, a burst for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and something else that um, folks need to keep, take into consideration, uh, and Laren talks, Laren Thomas talks about this at least on his website in Knife Steel Nerds, if not in the book. Um, but there is a thing called temper embrittlement, and so if you you would think that as like say you're tempering at three twenty five or three fifty, the higher you go, the softer the steel gets, but it kind of peaks at about four hundred degrees. Um, when it comes to toughness, and then uh, as you go higher and get closer to 500 degrees, it starts getting brittle again. And so you got to be careful. And some of those ovens, they can vary. They can have very hot spots um, from corner to corner versus others. Um, and even mm. though the oven or the tempering thing may be set at 350 or, or whatever, you know, you just don't know exactly. And so by having an even heat, you literally will have a um a very even temperature controlled environment um to do your tempering in because the last thing you want is <laughs> that blade to accidentally get overheated in an area and um and have that temper uh embrittlement occur and your damn knife break in half on somebody when they're trying to use it the way it's supposed to be used um i think sometimes that that temper embrittlement will bring it back up to the original um brittleness wow. um that you would have experienced from a full from the full hardening um or close to it that's an excellent point because you can have your oven set you can have a toaster oven set to 400 degrees but if you're up on that uh heating element it's a whole different ball game it's yeah. it's that's that's that is a great point and that's the thing it's like even your even heat you know you just don't want to be up on those coils you know you don't want to be right up on those coils too you want to be in the middle yeah. Well, funnily enough, the next question now is is talking a bit more about heat treat as well. So this is from Tom Scott. He says, hey, guys, never made a knife before, um, but he's very keen to give it a go. He says he's thinking about doing an oyster knife would be a good place to start. Um, do these need to be heat treated? Uh, and if they are, I guess you would temper them a fair way back. Um, and he says any tips or suggestions would be welcomed. So um, Jeff's the, the oyster knife king. Well. Wow. You you do need to heat treat them. I've actually yeah. actually when I made I made a uh, I made my wife a, a a letter opener. I thought I don't need to heat treat this, and then I actually tried to fuck around with it a little bit, and it gets it, they bend. If without heat treatment, you know you're gonna have a problem. I I maybe you can I mean you can open an oyster with a fucking screwdriver so if if you can make it happen without having heat treated god bless you but you're going to tear you're going to tear the tip of that up and it's going to bend it's going to bend because you just you don't have that you don't have that uh that martensite that crystallization of the of the iron carbide you gotta have that connection you have to have that connection otherwise it just starts to bend i mean um i mean i prove me wrong i i have no idea i i feel that there's enough uh work on a on an oyster knife that you need to uh you need to make sure it's gonna be tough so i yeah. i wouldn't 
I'd stay away. Miles Steel just don't work. You know, Miles Steel's yeah. good for for some things, but not stuff you need to work around with. Especially, I mean, they're, they're basically pry bars, aren't they? You're prying right. things open with them. Right. There's a lot of force on them, maybe oysters. more than more than with a chef knife. Well, yeah. I don't think it's going to be the torquing that's going to be the problem. I think it's going to be the immediately getting into the hinge. That's the issue. You know, yeah. I I do see them more like, um, well, there's the two different types that I make. They're both different. One side's one type is very thin, like uh, like a butter knife almost, and then the other one is like a pry bar. But you know, untre- heat treated mild steel doesn't. I mean, it doesn't last very long. You know, oh, and yeah. I certainly want that tip in your food. You know, right. So I would heat treat the. I would heat treat it. I mean, maybe you could just you know if you were using a maybe if you ground down like a. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to tell you to use. A, I don't want to tell anybody to use a railroad spike. I don't want to do it. I don't. Want, I don't want to tell you to stock removal a railroad spike. So I won't. Sure. I mean, a, good, a really good, tough, a really tough ass steel would be like fifty one sixty. Now that's not ideal for <laughs> being exposed to moisture all the time, but it is tough as shit. Um, and that will at that thin kind of narrow point where you're doing all that twerking and twisting um it's gonna it's gonna be pretty good for you in there um but it, when it comes to something that's i guess more stain resistant now that's a that is a good question but usually the, you know there there are steels and materials um that are designed for tougher use stuff like what is it h7 or wait s7 s7 is like a uh hydraulic shear blades you know they're not made for making knives out of necessarily but they're tough as hell and they're used for cutting steel day in and day out something tough like that might lend itself better to uh to a prying tool like a uh like an oyster knife but uh, watersheds does he just wants to know if he needs a heat treater or not right watershed what i would do is i'd send if until your heat until your oven comes out i would send it out to be heat treated you know Get yourself, you know, a little bit of how getting stuff heat treated isn't that expensive in the long run, is it? I don't anybody. Know. If you're sending it out, I don't know. I've never done it. Don't know. I mean, maybe that would be a good time for someone to say. I know you didn't ask, but you know, <laughs> I, I I don't. I think you have to heat. I think you know, knives really do need to be heat treated, even even yeah. letter openers. Yeah, Dan Benninger would know. Benninger knives. But not anymore. Mm-hmm. Not oh, I mean, I guess he would still know. But he's heat treating his own stuff now. He's got an even heat. But, but, uh, yeah, I, I feel like it's somewhere around twenty five, thirty dollars to have a knife heat treated. Um, there are and places that will do it. That's outside of like the shipping costs. Oh, that's before shipping costs. And I, I mean. If you're gonna only open one oyster, if you if you're only gonna open it's one expensive oyster, expensive oyster, yeah, I'd fucking definitely don't. don't heat. If you're only in the mood for one oyster, don't heat treat it. You know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I w- I also wonder. Um, Doctor Laren would be then the man to. We need to get him back on the show actually because he, he knows everything. He's great. Um, but I also wonder about the um the stain resistance. So um, obviously with oysters, there's a lot of salt water, which is you know terrible for a knife. I also wonder if it's unheat treated, whether you'd have less resistance, whether the heat treat actually brings out better properties in the steel um, with regards to corrosion, that kind of thing. I wonder. 
I don't know, man. <laughs> this is <laughs> I don't know, man. This is above our pay grade, this. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jeff, have we had any more unsolicited advice? Yes, we did. Actually, this actually dovetail, dovetails into uh, what Mareko said earlier today. This one comes from Core Knife and Tool. I know you didn't ask, but if you have a 3M VersaFlow respirator, do not eat curry or something and, su- <laughs> and, and chuck that bad boy on. Every fart <laughs> gets sucked up and blown all over your face. It's nasty, and no one warned me. That's right. I guess those things have like a, a su- intake valve by your blowhole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you wear them on your belt, don't you? you wear it on your behind belt. you, yeah, right so behind you. You're doing the old, you're doing the old recycle, <laughs> recycling game. Oh God damn, Jesus, um, that'd be rough. The next one comes from uh, Lyle Styles. Craig, I know you didn't ask, but you should get yourself a mini split heat pump and stop freezing your ass off in the <laughs> 600-year-old icebox. Mini split heat pump. Yeah, maybe Lyle stops. I'll have to maybe. Google one of them. I haven't got a clue what that yeah, is. Well, good job, Lyle. That wasn't... Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's um, trying to sell me one, is he? <laughs> yeah, he's in the, he's in the split <laughs> pump business. <laughs> I'm in the split pump business. <laughs> Um, Here's a card. Yeah. <laughs> mm. You want a couple more? You want to go back to questions? What do you want? Oh, uh, go on. Give us one more. Go on. Okay. Uh, this one comes from MacDuff Forge. Use duct tape on the back of Rhino Wet for handles slash finish rounding uh, sanding. Love the podcast. That actually is awesome unsolicited advice. Which is if you if you you know because some people I'd have done it a million times. Or you cut your strips of of Rhino Wet. And then you're, you know, you're doing the old shoe shine move, and then it breaks, and you're just like, "Why did that happen?" That's because you didn't put duct tape on the back of it, you dummy. Hmm. Yeah, good one, uh, good one. Okay, let's go back to a question from, um, I think it's just Trevor Warro, I think it is. Um, again on Instagram. Hey dudes, when someone buys one of your chef's knives, what do you recommend to them when it comes to time to resharpen it? I recently had a customer use a pull-through sharpener, Ugh. and it took small chips out of the edge. Um, he sent it back, and I fixed it. Then I just resharpened the edge. But he says, just wondering what you guys usually recommend. I think I'll be recommending taking the knife to a professional to sharpen it if it cannot be easily returned to me due to shipping costs, etc. for yeah. sharpening. Um, we briefly mentioned this last week, didn't we, about our own knives, how we um, try and keep those, you know, cutting well. Um um, I, th- I think the conclusion that three of us come to with the uh, ceramic um, honing rods um, are really good for bringing an edge back up. Um, but, it, yeah, if somebody's let it go completely dull and they need a full sharpen, um, what, what would you guys say to, to your customers? I mean, you, there are usually sharpening services um, kind of all over the place. I mean, at least I know in my, my town I know there are. The question really is, though, is do the sharpeners actually know what the hell they're doing? Because there are some people who think you just slap a blade against the bench grinder at whatever angle, and that's it. And usually those bench grinders are like 100 grit. I've seen knives come back with super coarse, messed up edges. And so that is my real concern. So I guess it's just... People have to do some research, see what is available in their area, um, and and do they actually know what the hell they're do- doing? Because it's very the likelihood of somebody taking your knife and sharpening it 
um, and totally messing it up, especially if it's a custom knife, is probably like the, like the worst feelings, like sink down to your gut, like worst feelings, have that come back just all chewed up and nasty. So uh, you got to, unfortunately, you just got to do some research. Um, but if they can, I, I think sending it back to the original makers, the best thing you could do if people can afford it. And if people have a hard time kind of like qualifying that expense, you know, first avoiding anybody trying to, uh, or the potential of somebody just completely messing up the knife, um, is what is, should be one good deterrent. Um, and honestly, until that knife is properly sharpened again, you, you effectively just have like a butter knife. Um, and so when they, even though maybe it cost 40 bucks because they did flat rate boxes, both directions, um, you know, still for 40 bucks, you're getting a brand new fresh ass knife for $40. Um, but you know, maybe they figure out how to sharpen themselves. I don't know what else people can do, but I, my biggest concern, like I said, is just if the sharpeners in your area actually know what the hell they're doing. Mm. Yeah, I know, I know a lot of knife makers will say, you know, if if you're local, bring it in and we'll tune your knife back up for you, give it sharp and the rest of it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for, for most people, myself included, I don't sell sort of locally. It's all right. via the web, so they could be anywhere in the world, so that that's not an option. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I tell people about ceramic coning rods, um, and hopefully they're doing that regularly. Um, but, yeah, when it comes to a full resharpen, I, I, I don't know what I'd recommend, to be honest with you. I don't know. Yeah, my the only guy who sharpens knives around here, he works in a he work he his his specialty is lawnmower blades. <laughs> he's, he's he'll give you a right. grant and edge whether you like it or not. I mean he can yeah. he gonna fuck your knife right up. That's why you know the funny thing is is not well, funny, but I get all these rehab cleavers. Uh, we've been getting all these cleavers. When I take a look mm. at them, every single one of them got hit on that on that uh, lawnmower. Uh, bench grinder every single one of them i gotta clean out every single one of them all so everyone thinks oh i can sharpen this knife and they'll put it on that bench grinder i know it Mm. yeah it's i think that when oh go ahead ahead. i'm just i'm gonna soft shoe it i don't tap dance around the issue i don't know whatever you have to say is probably gonna be better than what i have to say no no no, it's just to add to your lawnmower (laughs) blade sharpener you know there it used to be around here you used to you could take knives to the local butcher shop or something like that um but that is unfortunate again who knows what those people actually know about sharpening they very easily could be burning up the edge as they're sharpening because for they don't fucking know that you know, you can't let the blade get overheated as you're sharpening because they don't know shit about metallurgy. Um, and and they're used to sharpening knives that cost, you know, maybe $20 at the most anyways because they're beating the crap out of them. And then they throw them away when they're done. Um, so that's not where you want to send your custom knife. So, yeah, you don't want to be sending it to the local guy who sharpens lawnmower blades. I say, as a podcast, we tell our... Friends, to send your knives to Kasumi Kev. That motherfucker will let he'll make it so sharp you'll be you'll be trimming your toilet paper in no sure. time. <laughs> he 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 sharpens he sharp he murder sharp. Kasumi murder Kev. Sharp. If in promo code knife talk ten, he can give you ten percent off. <laughs> send your knives to Kasumi Kev. 
Knife Talk 10. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the one other option you could do is buy your own grinder oh. and learn to um, sharpen yourself on a grinder. Um, and we can even get you a deal on a grinder. Uh, Broadback Ironworks make a fantastic grinder, lots of accessories, loads of stuff for it. Um, Maraca uses one. Jeff uses one. I've got lots of the accessories here as well. They're great. Um, BroadbackIronworks.com. And if you use promo code KNIFETALK10, you'll get 10% off. Um, and, yeah, use use the, use the same grinder that the best in the business use. What more can I say? Nothing more. There we go. Do we have any more unsolicited oh, advice? Yeah. I will say shout out to <laughs> Jared Ball, who just joined uh, the uh, Broadback team as, as an officially sponsored maker with Broadback. Oh, cool. He's cool. Yeah. Again, all the best knife makers use that Broadback Ironworks grinder. Dude, his mugs uh, are psycho. They're so good. All right. This one comes from this. Uh, I know you didn't ask, but comes from uh, John Scotty. He says, you should make a knife out of railroad spike. I hear they're real good steel. Even better when you do a lot of folding on it. That's nice. He was, he, he, I didn't read the uh, rolling your eye emoji. So he was like, that's something that somebody had said to him. <laughs> the funny part about the whole, you just fold it thing. There's this misconception. We're talking about misconceptions that people, you know, like when you were talking about how, uh, Twitter, somebody said, oh, you just cut it out of steel. The folding thing, I think that people think that when you're folding steel, it's like making a bed or bake or rolling bread or something like that. They don't realize that you have to forge weld it. I think they just think you just twist it all up and all of a sudden it just becomes like one big thing. Like you're making a piece of taffy or something. Mm. All right, way to go on that one, guys. Okay, next one comes from... Uh, <laughs> Radio Na Breg. Hello, humans. My unsolicited advice is when you're working on something and you need to take a leak, uh, but you think that you will just do that thing and then you go to the loo, forget about it. Stop everything and go take a piss or you'll screw everything up. So Radio Na Breg likes to hold it <laughs> for as long as possible. <laughs> you like to hold it as long as <laughs> these aren't. Some of these are just fine. Wait, uh, I thought he was yeah. saying that he's advising that you don't continue working. Just stop, go take a piss, and come back. That's right. Because, okay. Yeah, but he obviously this is based on the fact that he was just like wait, holding it, holding I it, see. holding it until he finished it. And then all of a sudden, you know, I don't think he urinated in his pants, but I think that he screwed up his knife or something at one point. <laughs> I think he did. I reckon he did. You know, what yeah, happens? Look. Um... Maximus Knife says, I know you didn't ask, but always remember to make sure your pants are zipped before doing any grinding. If you're not wearing a shop apron, <laughs> hot sparks have an interesting way of finding their way and burning everything. Yeah. You'd want to burn the tip off if you're doing a knife. Uh, speaking of burning the tip off, uh, Pef Learning Knife Making says, instead of using Vaseline for bedding the tangs, Teflon tape doesn't grease the insides and works perfectly with multiple tight layers around the tang. Have you ever heard of that one, Marekko? I have. Teflon I tape? I used to do it, and I don't like it because the Teflon tape has a dimension to it. And that dimension, when you take that Teflon tape off, is there's that slight gap in there. And I've had stuff wiggling around and not go back together exactly perfectly. So I do not use Teflon tape anymore. So between the farting into your respirator and taking a leak, 
<laughs> this is the only one we're rejecting. This reminds me of why we got rid of the um, "Hey, you know what you should do" section. This is, this is basically a renamed version because every time we just tell people to fuck off anyway. <laughs> well, I, I, no, I, it's, you know, I did. I, I, honestly, I had no idea. I, that's why I brought it up. I mean, you know. <sighs> I tell you what. Let's talk about um, what we're going to be getting up to next week with our dreams, hopes, and aspirations. Jeff, for the week, what's the, what's the big plan? Well, Where would you like to be this time next we're week? We're prepping for a f- snowstorm, which I'm not super psyched about. So Monday and oh, Tuesday, oh. I might be, I might not be able to get into the shop. So I'm trying to run around now and get some things done so I can do them at home, which I'm not thrilled about, but fine. Um, otherwise, I got some knives to finish. I got another uh, Admiral knife I'm finishing up. I'm really excited about. It's got this kind of wild. Uh, double dyed wood that I've been waiting for someone to pick for a while and they just picked it and that's really good and um, I'm uh, I'm psyched I'm psyched I'm psyched there's some we've had some good news in the, in recently and that's like especially for the business and I'm very happy and we're like over a rough patch hump and that has made me very optimistic and I have half a tank oil so I'm gonna burn that motherfucker for the next month <laughs> oh you didn't even fill it up well, funny enough, I uh, was podcasting on the Full Blast podcast, and I told them not to show up before 10. I had some issues with some podcasting this week. I, I, <laughs> you did about eight episodes. We did, I, ended up doing four, <laughs> I ended up doing almost four sessions, and only one of them worked. And then um, I told them they were going to come, and I said, don't show up before 10. So the guy showed up at the end, and when he was filled up, he brought, a, he brought a, basically an empty truck. So I, instead of getting the whole thing filled, I only got half a tank. And he was like, "You want me to come back?" I'm like, "No, with your fucking no mask wearing face, you get the fuck out of here. I'll take it. I can make it. I can make it till March, till April with half a tank. Oh you kidding God. me? I'm cheap." So that's the answer for that. You should. You, you want to hear a weird noise? Listen to an oil truck empty. That's weird. It sounded like your beluga whale had some farts into its respirator. <laughs> Slurping and blurping. It had a rusty bunghole, <laughs> blowhole, or whatever it was. Okay, I'll do my week, then we can leave it to Mareko to finish out the show. Um, I'm picking up an anvil this week, Ooh. which I'm really blessed about. Um, so actually somebody in the village, um, they just said, well, I've got one in the barn. And I said, oh, could you send me a picture if you don't mind? Because you can imagine some shit somebody's got somewhere. Um, and it looks okay. It's not huge. Um, I think it's about 85, 90 pounds. Um, so not huge, but it looks in fairly good condition. Um, so I'm going on Wednesday to pick that up. So I'm pretty pleased about that. So yeah, that's, that's my week. Apart from that, it's just, you know, sort of plowing through orders and I've got this, as I say, this this one-off special knife, which I'll sort of work on, on the side as well. Good week. May, or, may yeah, I ask you a question? It seems to me as though there are a lot of old anvils in people's uh, basements over in your neck of the woods. I, I feel like you've yes. sent me like a, like 10 or so images of people yeah. with their fucking old French anvils stuck in the basement. Yeah, in their barns. So, we're, we're, you know, we're quite rural here, so everybody has a barn, basically. Um, and... This this is weird thing with French um, property tax, so a lot of houses are sort of you know when when parents, you know old people die they leave it to their to their children, um, a lot of the children um, just leave the house go to ruin 
because if they sell it, they then pay the, the property tax on it, like inheritance tax if they sell it. So a lot of them don't. So there's just lots of old properties here just, just falling down because people don't want to pay the tax on them. Um, so uh, there's loads of sort of old barn finds um, and, you know, oh, really, you know, really old ancient cars and all sorts in, in, these, in these barns. Um, but yeah, anvils come up a lot because uh, particularly in this area where I am, um, we, we've actually got one of the oldest working forges, which is probably about three or four miles here from my house in Europe. It's This thing is ancient Whoa. and it's like a museum now. You can go there and it's, you know, the river runs through it, which drove the wheels and stuff, which powered everything. Um, so there, there was a lot of sort of forging and ironworking going on around here. Um, so hence, there being lots of old anvils everywhere. Wait, how, yeah. like how old? Like ancient in ancient Rome or like the fourteen hundreds? No, or? not that old. Okay. Me, um, I tell you what, I shall, I shall find it now whilst you're. Um, well, I whilst we talk. Well, about while you're movies. looking that up, it sounds like this would be a great TV show for Chris Cash to do. Chris Cash could Chris Cash could wind his way up into Europe and raiding people's barns for their old <laughs> anvils and tools. Cash for cash, it would be called. Cash for cash in France. Cash. Uh, what, what would? What's the French word for cash? There you go. Um, I don't fucking know. I lives in France. Can't tell you shit. <laughs> can't tell you shit. How long are you living in that town? When are they going to throw you out of there? You can't even. You don't know, speak a lick of French. Billet, billet is sort of money, I suppose. But maybe, yeah. Maybe. Good job, Marek. Your week. What's going on? Uh, I'm working on this little knife. It's a it's a six inch kind of utility petty knife. Um, it's a Honeski, and um, it's actually it's been laying kind of quote unquote laying around my shop, uh, since I don't even remember now. It's been a few years for sure. It is the first faceted Western handle that I did. Um, and then I never, it, it was, it wasn't for a custom order. So it was kind of more of a model more than anything for this concept I had. And uh, I shaped it. I put up pictures and then immediately went back to my custom order list. And unfortunately, um, like shortly after that, I had a customer say I, he really liked that style handle. And so he wanted me to do it. And, um, and so I started doing my Japanese cowboy or faceted Western handles. Uh, so I got back into that thing and cleaned up those hand, that handle. It was actually, it was funny going back to it because it, because it was the first one, um, you know, it was just awkward. It was super beefy, like way too fat and kind of girthy than it needed to be. And so I, I did a bit of work to slim it down and get the contours nice and the facets nice and everything looking good. So I'm just going to be working on making progress on that. I also have another blade I'm going to be hand sanding with my rhino wet bam, 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 um, and getting that etched up and marked pretty quick. And actually, that's getting a custom Saya. I should probably start doing I forgot about the Saya. So I need, to, <laughs> I need to start doing that before I get too far along because I don't like building the Saya around the knife after it's already been etched and finished. Oh, that's so, a good point. Yeah. So I gotta actually put the brakes on hand sanding and get back to get to the side making. You can um, always put Teflon tape on it. Yeah, I'm all over that Teflon tape. It's really great stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I mean that's basic. That's that's what I'm working on right now. Those two. So nice. That's what I got. Um, update about the forge that's here. Um, Fourteen twenty one, they started producing stuff, and it was in. It was, they were still using it right up till 1979. Wow. You're saying that that's, that fucking anvil that you're going to pick up from some old French grandpa is from the 1400s? 
No, no, that's when the, the, the forge was operational between those Which times. Forge? So the actual anvil, who knows how old that is? I don't Which know. Which forge? I don't know. Um, La Forge de Savignac Ledrier. <laughs> it's just a few miles from me, and it, it's, it's, it's a wicked place. It's, it's operating almost as a museum now, so you can go around and have a look. And um, it's in the grounds of like a big chateau. And basically, the chateau owner used to, who used to have it had lots of farmland. So all the local workers would work in the, the farmland in the summer because that's when you're doing the majority of your farming. Then in the winter, he'd have them all working in the forge. They could all keep warm whilst they're working, which is very kind of him. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so the, the, there's the river runs through it and there's a big waterfall there which powers all the wheels. Um, it's, it's a really interesting place. But yeah, so what, six, well, 600 years this year oh, is right. the anniversary of that yeah. place opening. So that's cool. That's a show. That's a show. Um, remember, if you've got any unsolicited advice... Send it through to us. It doesn't have to so be we, about... Just so we can mock it. doesn't it. have to be just about so burping and farting and, you know, sparks on your wiener. It, doesn't, it can be about real stuff. Because that's <laughs> yeah, got a lot any of Any real stuff. I mean, you know, you can only do so much of that. Craig, I'm going to throw this bit out if we if it's all farting and burping. <laughs> yeah, it won't go down too well. Um, but yeah, if you've got any, any tips for us or any questions... Contact us via DM at Knife Talk on Instagram. It's that easy. There we go. There we go. That's the show. Thank you all for listening. Do us a favor. Jump on whatever podcasting um, platform you're using and give us a review, um, a rating. It just really helps us out to get to a bigger audience. And the bigger audience we have, the more we can do for you guys. Better than so. two stars and used to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah please. Better than that. Better than that. <laughs> That's the show. Thank you all for listening. We shall speak to you again next Monday. Bye for now. <laughs> <laughs> um. if you like this show take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network So finish, finish it, and then because the etch won't like take that much off. No, I yeah, and it, again, it's surprising how quickly it goes. It only takes, yeah, anywhere from uh, about five minutes, two to five minutes to etch Very in good. warm muriatic, and you just kind of dip it in there and don't walk away from it. Just kind of hang out and watch it. Pull it up every so often, maybe every minute or so, and once it looks like it's got the texture or the depth that you want pull it out dip it in some baking soda water to neutralize it and because it's stainless like that's you just wipe it down do whatever you want to do to it <laughs> look at you after show so could you do a like a test um etch in its current state unhardened just as it is just to see how it'll look and like, almost like a, a tester Finkel said you can use ferric for a test yeah well, okay, so and muriatic, the muriatic is for the depth, but then people go back with uh, like a 50-50 mix of ferric and like white distilled vinegar for a darkening. And mm. so some people just do ferric. Um, I, I feel like people who are doing ferric and vinegar get a better contrast reveal. Um, and again, I don't know how long that actually takes because um, I've never done it myself, but... Yeah. Hmm, but yeah, okay, you sh I, cool. sorry, your your question was basically in its un unhardened state, if you can etch it in the unhardened state or? 
Yeah, just so you can see how it'll look. And it's a trial run, basically, yeah, um, I, before I you do any you grinding. Should... Yeah, yeah, I think you should be able to get some sort of etch, for sure. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, really in your face, but um, contrast or anything. But, yeah, you should mm. be able to get something. But and if it's stainless Damascus, you, you know, the coffee etch is out the window, right? Yeah, the coffee etch doesn't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be the ferric and vinegar would be give you the darkness. Yeah. And I, I can shoot you guys a link. Actually, I uh, can't remember the maker's name right now, um, but he has a little tutorial on how he... Um, oh, uh, Todd Beggs. He has a little tutorial um, on how he does the Damasteel, like how he etches his Damasteel and stuff. Hmm. Um, cool. Okay. It would be great if we just recorded this and then put a paywall behind it and, and make our fucking <laughs> listeners have to pay to listen to this. Oh wait! I see a recording button on. <laughs> it's recorded. After it's show, extra baby. Free content. Extra free content. Just kidding, everybody. I knew it was recording. <laughs> yeah, after show. I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That was the move. That was the. Uh, when we asked the question, I thought, man, this is really should have this as an after show. And then I looked down. I'm like, Craig fucking did it again. <laughs> but yeah, I'm the same. I've I've got that um, that Dharma seal is sitting here and a little scared to use it. To be honest with you, so. Yeah, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll crack on with it and see what see what happens in my sort of you know sort of downtime spare time and, and and see if I can do anything with it. I cut it with the bandsaw. It cuts very easy. I thought it was going to be very very hard because whatever, mm. it cut pretty easy. So it's oh, definitely okay. not. It's definitely not a big deal. And, and then I got some good. They had you know, the one thing is they do they do have some pretty good. Um, heat treatment recipes on their website, and then I got uh, I, mm. I I kind of cross reference it with um fingal and he said you don't really have to uh do cryo you can mm -hmm. just your 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 critical temperature is lower that was what he said yeah. he says lower than if you weren't if you were using cryo okay that's on fingal okay. so what's your plan you guys are you going to use the dharma steel and use that knife then for the show and put that up for sale it would make sense if we did sort of similar, I suppose. I was going to do an yeah. offset serrated with a crazy handle. Right. Okay. So no, I, I don't mean I don't mean do similar knives. I mean just you know have a similar plan. I mean I thought I'd make it just because it would be. I just I thought it would be fun to do a kind of a crazy handle. Yeah. Um, and then why not? Just I actually I cut that fucking thing up and I thought I wonder if this was a mistake and I'm like and I just you know roll with it. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, Mareka, what, what are you planning on doing with yours? Is that going to be one that you're going to put up for sale for the for the Yeah, I actually, I think I'm going to do a little forging on it, which Ooh. is kind of tricky because it has to be worked in a very narrow range, which I think is about 1950. I mean, it, the stats, this the hot working numbers are on their website, but it's it's like 1950 to like maybe a maximum of 2100. But huh. I'll probably keep it below that, like twenty fifty, just because um, it's really easy to get too hot. And this mm -hmm. is from experience. <laughs> For it to get too hot and start uh, because of the alloying and the carbon content, it brings the melting point of the steel down. And so to get too hot and it start to turn into like a kinetic sand in a way and basically start well having melted steel uh in the grain uh, like at the boundaries and i've i've like i've destroyed probably close to at least a thousand or a couple thousand dollars 
worth of the material uh, in the past, <laughs> trying to figure well, out the forging range. How would what you would keep be the, the purpose of, of forging it then if it's already got you know a, a pattern? Is it just so you could have a bolster? Is it is that the is that the point? Uh, I guess kind of just to to give it a little something that you know it's it's kind of a pain to do and that mm. pro- to make it stand apart, I guess, more than anything. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But how do you and, keep and because, it within that working range? Yeah, uh, I've just. I've practiced a lot, <laughs> and so I do it on only by eye. But ideally, um, you would have like a temperature controlled heat, uh, like a forge. You could do it out of the kiln, but that is that would require a lot of energy and an ex- you know <laughs> that would be consuming a lot of electricity to be running your kiln for a couple hours, like at, at forging temperatures. Um, with the door open and closing, it'll be, yeah, yeah. Yeah, door open and closing, yeah. yeah probably. That, is, that would be nice. And, and every time you do it, you got to not only bring it up to temperature, but you actually want to let it soak. Right. Probably at least for, at that cross-section, uh, you know, probably at least for like five minutes or something like that. Um, because the way heat moves through stainless is very different than carbon. And it's much slower. So even though the outside might look like it's ready to rock and roll, uh, the inside, even in a narrow cross section, could still be actually below that ideal forging temperature. And so you got to give it some time to soak and 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 evenly heat throughout before you start working it again. Mm. We're gonna need mm, a sponsor to consider. Mark. We're gonna need a sponsor yeah. for the after show <laughs> and a jingle. Yeah. yeah. Damn, that was good. Uh. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I think I might give it a, a go this week. What I think I'm going to do is make two paring knives because if one fucks up, I've got a chance to at least have something. Um, so yeah, I might cut those out this week and maybe grind them. Then um, mm-hmm. we, you know we can talk about heat treat another time, that kind of thing. Cool. Cool. Okay. Right. right. Have a good week, guys. Have fun. a nice Sunday, and I shall speak to you all soon. All right. Thanks for it. Right. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.